Hey, welcome back to Faith Quest with Charles Lowry. We're going to continue a sermon series that I started last week called At the Feet of Jesus. You know, there's this extraordinary lady in the Bible. We find Mary. And it seems like every time we read about her, guess where she's at? She's at the feet of Jesus. And last week, we saw her sitting at the feet of Jesus. And this week, from John chapter 11, we're going to find her falling at the feet of Jesus. I mean, she was in a situation where she was desperate. She was heartbroken. She was torn apart. And I'm so glad we serve a Jesus that he feels our pain. And he not only feels our pain, but guess what? He comes to us when we're in those situations. He responds. He cares. And so maybe you're in a situation where you're just you're just devastated. You're heartbroken. Maybe you're in a situation where you feel like, you know, nothing can change and you need somebody to come to the rescue. Well, I guess, guess what? Jesus is the one who will do that. And that's going to come alive for you today, I believe, as we dive into this in John chapter 11. So open up your Bible as we dive into this second part of the sermon series that I'm calling At the Feet of Jesus. So this week, we're in part number two of this sermon series. It's a three-part series called At the Feet of Jesus. Now, we're studying the life of this, this lady, Mary, who seemed to always be at the feet of Jesus. Man, what an example for us to always want to bow down and be at the feet, learning at the feet of Jesus, worshiping at the feet of Jesus, receiving from Jesus. What a message. And today... We're going to see in John chapter 11, verse. Uh, we're going to look at a lot of these verses, but we're going to begin with verses 30 through 32, okay? So let's just dive right into it. I don't want to waste any time. John chapter 11, verse 30 through 32, the Word of God says this, Now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha had met him. When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out. They followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now, when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, here it is, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Let's pray. Lord, I pray that you would help us to see from your perfect inspired, infallible, inerrant word today, that you are the Savior that comes to meet us in our darkest times. And in those times where we don't understand that you have a purpose, there's always a purpose. And that purpose is for you to glorify yourself in whatever we're going through. That can be so hard to understand when we're in that moment. But here's what I believe, Lord. I believe your word has power. And as your word is proclaimed today, I pray that it would produce faith. Your word says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So produce faith in the hearts and lives of your people as the word of God is proclaimed. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I was thinking about that Matt Marr song, 
You probably remember that. And the words go like this, Lord, I come, I confess. Bowing here, I find my rest. Without you, I fall apart. You're the one that guides my heart. Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour, I need you. My one defense, my righteousness. Oh God, how I need you. I wonder how how anybody makes it without the Lord. You ever wondered that? How does anybody make it in this life without the Lord, especially in these times of great pain? In those times when the cares and distress, the burdens, they, they press down in us, how does anybody make it without the Lord? If it hadn't been for the Lord uh, in certain times in my life, I'm telling you what, I would have been overtaken. I don't know about you, but I've been through some rough stuff in my life, and I'm sure there's others who have been through things far more weightier and heavier than I have. But I look back at times in my life and think, how would I have made it without the Lord? We sing that song, Blessed Be Your Name. I love the words of that. It says, Blessed be your name when the sun's shining down on me, when the world's all as it should be. Blessed be your name. But this is the part that gets me every time. Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. Though there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. And in our scripture, we find Mary at a time when she's in deep pain, in deep sorrow, and she needed the Lord. We've learned that each time we find Mary mentioned in the scripture, she's always found at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 10, we saw her sitting at the feet of Jesus And her actions seem to say, if you remember it from last time, Lord, I I want you. Lord, I just want to be near you. I want you above every other priority in my life. I just want to be with you. I want to spend time with you. Uh, My focus wants to be on you. Now in John 11, we find her falling at the feet of Jesus. And her actions seem to say, Lord, I need you. Last week, it was more like, Lord, I want you. But this week is, Lord, I need you. And in the distressing times of life, there's no better place to be or go than at the feet of Jesus. Let's notice the second picture of Mary at the feet of Jesus. And I'm going to break this down into about three simple points. Every good preacher will just have a few simple points, right? And so we're going to break this down with three simple points that I pray and hope that you can remember from this text. All right. First of all, we're going to see in this text the call of Jesus. The call of Jesus. The whole story before us centers on Mary's brother Lazarus that was sick. And and guess what? He died. The Bible tells us in John chapter 11 and verse 1, Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, uh, and her sister Martha. Now, I want you to think about this. The Bible's very blunt when it says in John chapter 11 and verse 14, Jesus told them plainly, here's what he said. He said, Lazarus has died. Now, all of you have lost somebody close and dear to you, I'm sure. And you remember that gut-wrenching feeling, that sinking feeling, your heart being broken. And she's filled with grief and sorrow. Death has overtaken her. Uh, or the situation of death, at least. Death has taken her brother, and she loved this brother deeply, the Bible says. 
It's an extremely sad time in our life. As we look at Mary, we find out that in these kind of times when we're just overtaken with grief and despair in those dark hours, guess what happens? That's when the Lord draws near to us. That's when He makes Himself known. That's when He makes Himself available. And I want you to see in this that Jesus has an interest in us. When Jesus came into Bethany, Martha was the first one he had a conversation with. And his conversation with Martha revealed his interest in what she was experiencing. And after he talked with Martha, then he showed his interest in Mary. And he just simply said, where is Mary? I want to see her. When you, he was basically saying, hey, when you see Mary, tell her I'm here to talk to her. I need to talk to her. He, he needed to minister to her. And Martha goes straight to Mary and says, and you can see it in verse 28, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now, Jesus knew that Mary was hurting and his words revealed that his great interest in Mary was sincere. The Lord always has a great interest in and us as we're going through things, because why? Because we're His children. Psalm 138 verse 6 says, For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly. Think about that. Let me read that again. For though the Lord is high, He regards the lowly. Sometimes in our life, we rightfully understand how high and lifted up God is, but we forget, as the psalmist said here, for though the Lord is high, he regards the lowly. The word regard means to see, to discern, to behold. The Lord sees where we are. He knows what we're going through. And He's deeply interested in our lives. Do you get that? I want you to personalize that. The Lord is deeply interested in you. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how young you are. I don't care what color you are. I don't care what nationality you are. I don't care where you were born. Jesus has an interest in you. I don't care if you've blown it. Jesus has an interest in you. I don't care how sinful you've been. Jesus has an interest in you. So we see in this, Jesus comes to, to town and he has this interest. He comes calling for Mary. But not only see it, this interest that Jesus has, but he has this invitation to us. Not just an interest in us, but an invitation to us. Jesus not only expressed his interest, but he called for Mary. He says, tell Mary to come. He was inviting her to come with him and bring her her broken heart. He was giving Mary an invitation to bring him her sorrow and her grief. You know, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, I love this. It says, Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. 1 Peter chapter 5, and verse 7 says, Casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Psalm 55, 22 says, cast your burden on the Lord and he will sustain you. He will never permit the righteous to be moved. I'm telling you something. We can bring our burdens to the feet of Jesus. He's interested in us. 
and, and, and he wants to touch our lives and he invites us to bring our burdens to him. So as we're talking about this, how much Jesus cares, did you catch those two I words? He's interested. Maybe you've had people blow you off. Jesus is not one of those. But he goes more than being interested. He wants to do something. He invites you. Jesus calls for you. He invites you to bring to his feet the cares and concerns of your heart and life. He calls for you to lay your burdens at his feet. John chapter 11, verse 29 says, And when she heard it, she rose quickly and went to him. Now look in verse number 31. It says, When the Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary rise quickly and go out, they followed her, supposing that she was going out to the tomb to weep there. Now when Mary came to Jesus, where Jesus was, and saw him, what did she do? We read it a while ago. She fell at his feet. This is what happens when when we come to these times of sorrow and depression and anxiety and fear and worry, when we're just beyond ourselves, when we've come to the end of ourselves, what should we do? We should fall at the feet of Jesus. And we should do it quickly to take our burdens to the feet of Jesus. We ought to take our burdens to the feet of Jesus before we take it to anybody else. Bring it to Jesus. Sure, our burdens are to be shared by each other. The scripture tells us that. But how many times are we guilty of just complaining about everything that's going on instead of just starting off and first and foremost, bringing it to the feet of Jesus? So we see in our text, there's the, the call of Jesus, right? Jesus called for them and he had this interest in them. And he had this invitation for them. But not only do we see the call of Jesus, but we see the care of Jesus. Not only see the call of Jesus, but we see the care of Jesus. There's no greater example of Jesus' care for his children than in this story. If you ever wondered, let me tell you, if you ever wondered about his love for you, here's a great example of his love and compassion. How much does Jesus care for us? Then notice this story. And I just pray today that I can make this come alive. I'm telling you what, I wish I could take what's in my heart and just kind of wring it out for you. Because my heart's desire is for you to know that there is a God that loves and cares about you and your situ- and your situation. And in first, I want you to see that he has a love that's it's declared. His love is declared. We see in John chapter 11, verse 3, So the sisters sent to him, saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. And then we find later in verse 5, it says, Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. God declared that he loves them. And let me tell you something. God declares that he loves you. We don't have to hope that he loves us or pray that he loves us or wonder that he loves us. He's declared that he loves us. And can I make this emphatic? He loves us all. He loves us all. John 3.16, we all learned it in Sunday school. 
For God so loved the world. Remember that little children's song, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Maybe we just need to get back to the basics a little bit. We live in a world that needs to hear that God loves them. And you don't just need to know that God loves the world. You need to know that God loves you. He has an invitation for you. He has an interest in you. If I ever began to question his love and care for me, all I have to do is begin reading the Bible. And it's not long before my heart is filled with the assurance. You know why? Because all through the pages of the Bible, God's love is declared. It says he loves us with an everlasting love. But I'm glad that God's love is not just declared, but it's demonstrated You'll remember what the shortest verse in the Bible is, don't you? It's found right in this text. In verse 35, we find the shortest verse in the Bible. It just simply says that Jesus wept. Yet those two words speak volumes concerning Jesus' love and care for us. In these two words, we see Jesus' love and care is just wonderfully demonstrated. Now, let me tell you this. I've heard this text preached before on many occasions as if the only reason Jesus was weeping was because of lack of their faith. I think that does the text a great injustice, and we're going to see here in a second as I finish preaching this, okay? So, Hang on with me. I believe I can show you as we break apart these verses how it's not, Jesus is not just weeping because of their lack of faith. Jesus had a genuine care and concern for them. And if we don't go there with the text, we rob the text of its meaning. God is communicating to us through this text just how much he loves us. John chapter 11, verse 33 through 35 says, When Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was, watch this, he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. See, we can't break apart verse 35 without reading the rest of those verses. We see here that Jesus saw her weeping. He was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And then he wept. The scene here is very touching. It's a special and sacred moment in the life of Jesus. If Mary ever wondered how much Jesus cared... When she saw Jesus and how he was moved, all doubts were removed at that point. Can I just interject this? Our world needs to know that we care about them like that. Listen, there's going to be a ton of things that we disagree with in this world. And I'm telling you what, I believe with all my heart, we have to stand against sin and we have to to raise a standard for truth and we have to be bold. But at the same time, at the exact same time, we have to have a deep love for people. And our heart has to be broken for people. We need to weep 
for people. Let me ask you a question. When's the last time you wept over a lost person? When's the last time you wept over somebody you knew was just lost in their sin and you cried out, oh dear God, help them. Bring them out of that, God. In the same way that Mary didn't have any doubts, I believe, about how much Jesus loved her when he wept with her. People need to see us weep with them. Man, what a touching scene. Verse 33 says, He was deeply moved in his spirit. The King James translates that's groaned. The word literally means, this is kind of interesting, to snort. What do I mean by that? Well, kind of like a horse does. I've been around horses a, a lot in my lifetime. I don't know if you have or not, but horses will snort. And sometimes horses snort out of fear. Sometimes they do it out of anger. Sometimes they do it out of agitation. But it always means that there's something going on in their spirit. And then when the Bible says Jesus was deeply moved in his spirit, there was something going on there. There were some groanings going on. There was a deep reaction. And here we see the humanity of Jesus. Don't ever forget, Jesus was just as much man as he was God and just as much God as he was man. And I'm telling you, we see the human reaction of him at this time. He saw Mary's hurt. In grief, and he sensed the depth of her pain. He was so moved that he responded with a groan that was verbal and it was vocal. Verse 33 also tells us that he was troubled. That word literally describes someone that shakes with emotion. His body shook with emotion as he groaned from the depths of his soul and then... In verse 35, it says Jesus wept. That makes a lot more sense of it when you know the background, doesn't it? This is the only time in this word that this word is used that he that he wept, and it means that he burst into tears. Can you see Jesus standing there and I mean tears flowing down his face, his body trembling with emotion. Let me tell you, folks, this was deep. This was no casual thing. His care and love were obvious in the way he acted. And we see that in the text, don't we? Because in John chapter 11, verse 36, the Jews noticed it. So the Jews said, see how he loved him. His love and care for, and care for Mary was not only a declared love, it was a demonstrated love. It was a love and care that was obvious. It was a love and care that was unquestionable. The great emotion and tears of Jesus were a visible expression of his deep love and care. And I want you to know today that the world that the Lord cares for you. As the burdens press down on you and the cares and distresses of this world seem to squeeze you. The Lord cares for you and He's demonstrated it for you. The Bible declares in Romans chapter 8 or 5 and verse 8, it says, But God demonstrated His love for us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's the demonstration of how much He loves you. 
I've always loved Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 15 through 16. Listen to this. It says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weakness, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Did you see there that he's able to sympathize with our weakness? When you hurt, he hurts. When you're burdened, he enters into your sorrow. He enters into your suffering. He loves you so much and cares so much. He's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Have you ever thought of it like that? I mean, so I'm afraid sometimes by some of the Christians I talk to sometimes that I know that they can quote me Bible facts, but I wonder if they've ever grown in intimacy with the Lord so much that they really do understand just how much God loves them and that he feels what they feel. <coughs> Excuse me. He's able to touch us with the feeling of our infirmities. So what do we see here in the text? I showed you, we see the call of Jesus, right? And we just got through looking at the care of Jesus, but we're not done yet. Let's look at this final thing. I want you to see the control of Jesus. In Mary's darkest hours at the feet of Jesus, she learned some of the greatest lessons she could ever learn. In her hour of grief, she was to learn that Jesus is in control. The Lord has everything under control. I mean, he's on top of it. In the dark hour of Mary's life, she would learn the truth about God's purpose. Or maybe I should put that plural, his purposes. Let's go back in the story for a minute. When Lazarus had become sick, one of the first things they did was send for Jesus. Man, that was wise. That was the right thing to do. Man, they knew if Jesus came, he'd take care of things. But what does Jesus do? In John chapter 11, verse 6, we see, when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed for two days longer in the place where he was. Now, the word ill there, it means to be weak, weak, weakening or even sinking. So we're not talking about some runny nose or a cold here. When they communicated with Jesus, they let Jesus know that he was in bad shape. In other words, if something doesn't happen, our boy Lazarus, he's not going to make it. Now you would think that Jesus, after, when he received this news of how bad Lazarus was, that he would have left, I mean, pronto, immediately, right? But we read that instead of rushing to get to Bethany, what does he do? Jesus waited two days before he even started. It says in John chapter 11, verse 17 through 18, Now when Jesus came, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb four days. Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles off. We know that Lazarus had been dead at least four days, and we read that Jesus arrived uh, Lazarus had been buried for four days, rather. In that climate, burial was quick, and in most cases, it was the same day. And if they had waited, he, he could have been dead up to five days, according to all that. 
Now, this makes the delay of Jesus pretty interesting because there's this footnote by the Holy Spirit that we're given in the Scripture here. It gives the distance from Jerusalem to Bethany. He says that Bethany was near. He was saying it was just a short walk. Matter of fact, it, 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 actually it is. I told you it was about two miles. Now think with me for a minute. Jesus waited two days before he started for Bethany. After two days, he starts toward Bethany two miles away. Now think about it. He could have walked two miles in about 20 minutes. Yet he takes two or three more days to even get there. Now somebody might say, if he really cared about Lazarus, he, he would have went straight there. But we find that his delay had a purpose in it. And can I tell you, always God's delays have a purpose in them. Did you hear me? Somebody needs to hear this. Every time as there is a delay in our life, God has a purpose in it. John chapter 11, verse 4 says this, But when Jesus heard it, he said, This illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. What was this divine purpose? Well, look in verse number 11. After saying these things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I will go to awaken him. Jesus had a reason for his delay. And when it was all said and done, God was going to be glorified in it. His plan all along was to raise him from the dead that God may be glorified. Don't ever forget there's always a reason for our darkest hour. And it's all about the glory of God. I never will forget the, the story I read about missionary Amy Carmichael. You, you might have heard this story too. But let me, let me just share it with you just in case you haven't. As a little brown-eyed chi brown child, Amy Carmichael was there praying and her mother overheard her. And she was praying that God would give her blue eyes. And her mother <laughs> said, Amy, God gave you brown eyes. He wanted you to have brown eyes or he would have given you blue eyes. He has a reason why you have brown eyes. Years later, while serving, as, serving God as a missionary in India, some horrible persecution broke out in the country. I mean, people were being arrested. They were being killed. And one day, Amy Carmichael overheard a group of soldiers talking outside her window. And one said this. Here's what they said. Arrest all foreigners, starting with that Carmichael woman. Another soldier said, well, how, how will I know her? The reply was this. And remember, Amy's listening to this outside the window. They said, she's a foreigner. She'll have blue eyes. All foreigners have blue eyes. Arrest every woman with blue eyes. Amy Carmichael at that moment remembered when she was a little girl and she wanted blue eyes. And the words of her mother, God has a reason why he gave you brown eyes. And at that moment, she bowed her head and thanked God that he had given her brown eyes. Well, I'm telling you what, God does have a purpose in all things. And in the dark hours that drive us to the feet of Jesus, we learn lessons about God's purpose 
and we learn lessons about God's power. It's often in the darkest hours that we see and experience God's power. Let me read the account in verses 38 through 44. Hold on with me. We're almost done here. It says, Then Jesus deeply moved again, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the Mary of the dead man, said to him, or excuse me, Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be an odor, for he has been dead four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew that you always hear me. But I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. That's an amen point right there. Let me say it again. Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out with hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said unto them, unbind him and let him go. Let me tell you something. It would have been a great demonstration of Jesus's power to have healed him but he had something greater in mind, this greater demonstration of his power to raise him from the dead. And I'm telling you what, in our darkest hours, it sets us up to see and experience the power of God. I remember that old Andre Crouch song, Through It All. You remember that? Let me read it to you. It says, it goes like this. I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrow. There's been times I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials come to only make me strong. And the chorus is through it all, through it all. I've learned to trust in Jesus. I've learned to trust in God. Through it all, through it all, I've learned to depend upon his word. Let me read you that last verse. It says, I thank God for the mountains. I thank God for the valleys. I thank him for the storms he brought me through. For if I'd never had a problem, I wouldn't know God could solve them. I'd never know what faith in God could do. You see, God often sends the problems of our life that he may reveal his power to us. The problems of life are often often opportunities for us to see the power of God. And here we see at the feet of Jesus, Mary learned she could cast her burdens on the Lord and that he cared for her and would take care of her. Can I ask you, is there something you need to lay at the feet of Jesus? You can fall at the feet of Jesus and you can tell him. Is there a problem, something that's just left you in desperation or hopelessness? Here's what you need to do today. These three R's. Number one, you need to respond to the call of Jesus. Number two, you need to receive the care of Jesus. And then number three, you need to rest in the control 
of Jesus. Did you catch that? Respond to the call of Jesus. Receive the care of Jesus. Rest in the control of Jesus because He cares. Oh, maybe you've got a sin problem and you don't think there's a solution. Oh, I'm telling you what, He can cleanse you today. Maybe you don't even know Christ as your Savior. I'm telling you, He does not cast out sinners. He invites you. The Bible says He'll in no wise cast you out. He receives sinners. He receives those that are lost and undone and unclean. You've never had a better friend than Jesus. And He invites you to bring your sin, your pain, your sorrow and lay at His feet. Maybe you just need to simply say, Lord, I know I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. And today, He will meet you at the point of your need. Respond to the call of Jesus. Receive the care of Jesus. And rest in the control of Jesus. Let's pray. Lord, I thank You that you were there in our deepest time of need. And you gave us this text in Scripture today to illustrate your character, to illustrate just how much you love us. Sure, you gave it also to demonstrate your power and your glory, but oh my, how we see how much you love us in this text. And I believe that's a message our world needs to hear and know and understand. And I pray that we would fall at your feet today, that we might experience your grace. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. I hope today's podcast has been a reminder to you that When you need the Lord, He's there for you. I mean every time. He's not going to turn you away. And He feels what we feel. So just cry out to Him. You know, last week we looked at that passage where where Mary was at the feet of Jesus and she seemed to say, Lord, I want you, right? And this week it seemed to say, Lord, I need you. Well, next week... We're going to look at John chapter 12 where her actions seem to say, Lord, I love you. So don't miss that. I want to invite you that if there's anything I can do for you, there's a few ways you can reach me. Number one, by email. If you have a question or a concern or maybe a prayer request, you can reach me at Chuck Lowry, C-H-U-C-K-L-O-W-R-Y at ymail.com. That's just like the letter Y. Chuck Lowry at ymail.com. You can also find me and on Twitter, uh, at Charles Lowry, and Lowry is L-O-W-R-Y. Or look me up on Facebook. And uh, I would love to be able to pray for you. So don't miss next week as we look at John chapter 12, all right, in this series called At the Feet of Jesus. I want you to know I'm praying for you. God bless you. <music>